Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Wisdom, a study through Proverbs. Good morning. My name is Kara Bloomquist. If you don't know who I am, I'm the volunteer coordinator here at the Cross, and my husband is the next-gen team leader here, and I absolutely love this community. We moved from Florida several years ago, and truly we've looked at many churches that we were looking to be able to serve at, and we've never found a community quite like this one. Um, I am privileged to be able to introduce you this morning to incredible young ladies that I have had the privilege to have a front row seat of uh, their lives and what the Lord's been doing in them. And one really cool thing is that I went through that season when I was pregnant with Nora that was very difficult, and these two ladies were so incredibly encouraging and supportive during that time that I felt like right after that, they kind of went through their seasons and I was able to hold them up. So I love that about community. And they're going to share a little bit about their growth. So in Next Gen Ministries, our values are worship, belonging, and growth. And they're going to talk to you about the growth that has taken place in this last season of their lives. Here we go. Good morning, everyone. I'm Hannah Cash, and I'm just going to share a little bit about like what the last few months have looked like for me and what the Lord's been doing in my life. Um, on April 3rd, Mom and I were at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota when I was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, and I was uh, admitted to the hospital there for two weeks. And to, I just want to say thank you for, first, the support while I was there, just so many gifts and um, flowers and cards being sent when I was in the hospital to pass time. But also, I knew like everyone back home, just y'all were praying for me and supporting me and um, just doing so much even here. And it meant so much to me and um, just my family. And so I'm super grateful for that. And I just want to talk a little bit about community and what it's meant to me even like through the last couple months because I understood the importance of it before. But you never really understand like what it can do for you when you go through a tri like trials until the trial happens. And um, even since being home, like just the people I have around me. And for example, last weekend, our youth went to a conference. And so we had some kids that stayed at our house and I was doing my treatments morning and night. And it was hard because I didn't want to, but a couple of them, they would come in my room and they would sit on my bed or on the floor and we would talk and laugh together. But then we were talking about just like our struggles and what the Lord's been showing us. And first, it was just so cool to see like how we can encourage each other and build each other up while we're going through hard stuff. And um, second, I just realized like what I'm going through, like my circumstance, I can somewhat change by doing treatments and doing stuff to, you know, be healthier, but reality is, like, some of my closest friends that, um, like, I walk with, I see, like, their story, and, like, they can't change what they've gone through, or their past, or their home life, they can't change any of that, and what we all have to do, like, we have to find joy in the Lord, and seek the Lord, and build each other up, and encourage each other, and point each other in the right direction, and that's just so crucial, and I've realized how important that is. And so I'm super thankful for y'all and everyone just around me that's um, encouraged me and that I've gotten to also, like, somewhat encourage y'all, I hope. And so <laughs> thank you for letting me share and just for, again, all the prayers and support. All right. Hey, good morning, y'all. My name is Megan uh, Bridges, and if you don't know me, I've been here for, I guess, almost two and a half years now. Um, and Tim just kind of asked me to come up and to share how community and CSM and being able to serve in CSM, how it's prepared me for 
the next steps I'm about to take, um, and I'm about to go to Virginia uh, to attend Liberty, so I do have a huge next step. Um, he only gave me three minutes, though, which is not enough to talk about everything that's happened in my life in the past year. Um, so if you don't know me, my story, uh, there has been a lot happening in my life in the past year. Um, and a year ago, or a little less than a year ago, I remember I was sitting in CSM, and Rick, our youth pastor, was preaching. And um, Rick has this special talent where he, uh, he can be talking about anything, any topic, whether it be the Bible, God, whatever, and he finds a way to tie it back to God's love and to how God loves us um, and how that changes everything. And I remember I was sitting in CSM, and I got ticked off. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, he led it back to love again. And um, I'm saying this to say I was in a season where I hadn't fully grasped God's love for me, and I was going through a hard season. And so, but then I immediately remember catching myself and being like, well, why am I mad about that? Like, what, what's wrong with my heart right now that I'm not okay that it is going back to God's love? And um, so through the past year, the Lord has just been doing a transformation in my heart, like 180 transformation. And um, through CSM, through leading, um, and through the cross culture, I have truly come to see that God's love changes everything. And um, it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to be like, yeah, God's love, God's love. And then to go through something really rocky and for it to rock your life and to still be able to stand on that and be like, yeah, God is love, and he is transforming and good, and he's good to me. Um, uh, in Romans 2, it talks about the fact that it's the Lord's kindness that brings us to repentance. And uh, through the past year, uh, the Lord has just transformed my heart to see that our kindness and our love that's from the Lord, that is what brings people in, and that is what you know, allows people to see the transforming goodness of the Lord. Um, through this hard season, there was a song that really just stuck with me throughout the entire time that really helped me get through it. And the song is called How to Be Yours. And it's pretty much this guy who um, is talking about the fact that he has no idea how to be the Lord's. He knows he's the Lord's, but he has no idea how to be it. He has no idea how to live it or to how, how to let the Lord love him. And at one part in the song, he kind of switches from saying it to God to letting the Lord speak into his life and say, I love you. I am forever with you, and you bear my signature. And um, that song, I remember I was driving home from something that had been really tough, and I just started rejoicing. And for a long time, I had just been in a season of, like, sorrow and hardship. And I started rejoicing because finally I realized the freedom in God's love. Um, and it's something that I hadn't have had even though I was following the Lord. So I just challenge you today to really, I guess, it's kind of cool because Tim, what he's speaking on tonight is, or today is exactly this, to, to look at how you view God. Um, because truly the way you do view God is, you know, what changes everything around you and changes the way you see people. So I challenge you to see God as love um, because he is love and he is transforming us daily if we open our eyes to that. So thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you, ladies. And I'm so, um, like I said, privileged to have a front row seat in these ladies' lives. If I talk too much about them, I'll cry because they become like sisters to me. But watching these young people that love the Lord so desperately and that are pursuing and, and going after him is so encouraging to me. And even I know for Rick and I, we love that our kids are able to see that example in front of them. So thank you guys so much uh, for how you're living your life for the Lord. Um, 
So I'm going to share a little bit today on Proverbs. Tim asked me to join him. And honestly, when he first asked me to join him, I was like, oh, Proverbs, this is not my lane, okay? My husband was the one at 16 who's in his room. He finds a book of Proverbs, and he, like, freaks out like he found this treasure that he didn't know was there. But at the same time, I was probably 16 years old in my room opening up the book of Proverbs going, man, that's a lot of rules. Goodness gracious, how can I live up to all of this? That's a lot of things telling me what to do. And I felt like at that time in my life, all I have to do is love the Lord, and those things will follow. That's all I have to do. And so I want to encourage you guys that wisdom is not attained, it's pursued. It's sought after. Um, And so when I look at my life and think about the wisest choice I have ever made outside of the Lord is the husband that I chose to marry. Um, he is someone who I know everyone jokes about reading tons of books, really appreciates the knowledge of the Lord, but he is someone who pursues wisdom. He doesn't say he's attained it. He pursues it. So when we started dating, honestly, the example of him going after wisdom, like it was treasure, really spoke volumes to me as a wife, um, and has not only been a gift for my marriage, but it's a gift to my family. So I want to say to any of you out there that are reading Proverbs along with us, I love that we're doing it a little bit of a time at a time because it's little nuggets. It really is like spoon-fed to us through Proverbs. It's little nuggets that we're able to grab a hold of and take and use in our everyday life. And so I would encourage you guys, Proverbs takes patience right? Some people are like, it's saying the same thing over and over. No, if you really read it, if you really sit down and apply it to your life, you'll see the power behind these wisdom statements in Proverbs. Um, So what I love is that when, for those of you looking, maybe for spouses out there, um, when you go, when you look for someone, you're not only looking for someone who loves the Lord, but you're looking for someone who fears him as well, right? Who really believes that fearing him will bring about wisdom. So I encourage any of you in the room, it has done a, a lot of things for me and my family, trust and uh, peace in my home that I know that I'm so grateful for. So I'm going to get started with Proverbs 10.9. If you guys want to open up with me, Proverbs 10, 9, this is a good scripture to circle, highlight, underline. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. I'm going to read it again. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his way crooked will be found out. So I was thinking about this idea of integrity because it's used a lot. You know, we you say, be, be a man of integrity, be a woman of integrity. But what does it mean? And so when I was looking it up, it has the same Latin root as the word integer. And it implies a wholeness of person. Someone who is whole and complete. One person, not two, not three, not pretending to be anybody else in different circumstances. But is a whole person who's balanced. Um... When it comes to integrity, I think the reason why it's hard to choose, because when you hear that, like wholeness of person, that sounds great. I would like to be wholeness. I I would like to be one person. I would like for people to view me as someone of integrity and character. But I think what's hard 
is that integrity is extremely inconvenient. It is not the way of the world. It is not supposed to be the way of the world, right? We're dying of ourselves and and taking up our cross and following Jesus. It is not supposed to be easy. So I was thinking of it as, as parents, I have been learning a lot trying to discipline a toddler. Has anyone ever had difficulty disciplining a toddler? Come on, people, help me out. It is hard. It is difficult. And so I'm trying to learn, like, what's the best way so I can help him grow up to, to really live the best life he can and reflect Jesus. And so we'll be in the grocery store. And you know how kids are in the grocery store. I want that. I want this. I want that piece of candy, whatever. And I'll say to him, okay, Ricky, if you ask me, and without thinking, I'll say this. If you ask me for one more thing, we're leaving the store. Okay. Well, what do you think is going to happen? right? He's going to ask me for another thing. And guess what? I don't want to leave the store. Okay. When he says that, I'm like, oh, why did I say that? Because now I've got to follow through, right? It is inconvenient. And I think to myself, okay, if I don't stay at the store right now, I've got to go grocery shopping another day. I've got to do meal prepping another day. And it costs us. Guess what? Integrity, choosing integrity and character, it costs us. It is difficult. It is not easy. It would be much easier in moments, and I know we can all think about moments where we've told a little white lie to help protect ourselves, where we haven't followed through on our word because we'd rather do something else, where we go along with gossip because we don't want to be the odd man out, right? It costs us. It does not always look good on us. And I think when we hear hey, I want to be a man of integrity and character. I want to be a woman of integrity and character. We think that's going to look good, but it doesn't always. So I was trying to think of what gets in the way of us not choosing integrity. Like what is it about integrity where we just feel like it costs us a lot? And I think sometimes we don't realize the benefits of integrity. What comes with it? What we're able to have in our lives because we choose to be people that are honest, living in the light. So in Hebrews um, 12, 14, I'm going to talk a little bit about how integrity, there are benefits with integrity in our relationship with the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, without holiness, you will not see God. Without holiness, you will not see God. When I read that, I thought, man, we live in such a culture, in such a day and age where we believe that, hey, I can do whatever I want, and there is grace, 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 right? And absolutely, I believe that there is grace, but I know Paul even says, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? No, we need to be people that are striving to be like our Father, because in those moments of holiness, in those acts of pursuing integrity and character, we get glimpses of who he is. We get to see who God is in those moments because he is holy. We deepen our intimacy with the Lord. So again, I'm going to use an illustration with my son because I'm learning so much uh, from being a parent. But when I say to my son, we go to a restaurant and I say, hey, listen, when we go in this restaurant, you need to remember other people are trying to have dinner. So no spitting out your food, kicking your feet, screaming, causing a fit. We're not doing it, right? Let's be respectful of other people. So let's say we go in a restaurant, and I haven't said that yet, and he looks at me, and this has happened in other scenarios, and he says, Mommy, I'm looking at other people. 
I'm looking at other people, I'll think, you got it, man. You got it, dude. You know that I'm not telling you that because I'm not for your good or I want you to miss out on something or I don't want you to have attention or I, 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 I'm not for your good. I'm not for you, right? I am for my son. I want what's best for him. And in that moment, it's beyond the act of him saying that. It is beyond that. It's him showing me, I know that you love me and I know you hold the key to what's best for a fulfilling life in the Lord, right? So I believe that when we choose holiness, when we choose integrity, in those moments where we really could choose to not tell the truth, that the Lord says, you got it. You're tracking with me. You understand that I have the keys to the most fulfilling life, that what I say is truth, that it's going to make you better, and that it's for your good. We just often get so trapped into wanting these things to serve us, life to serve us, and it's not meant to. I know that's not pretty, but it's not meant to serve us. Following Jesus was never meant to serve us. So um, in Proverbs, it says a good reputation is worth more than riches, which means our reputation isn't just to make us look good and be able to boast in ourselves, but it allows us to boast in the Lord. So I really believe, um, I'm a strong believer in influence, that the Lord gives us influence over people, that we earn it, and that it's a responsibility in our lives to have. So when we think of um, how intimate, sorry, how integrity aligns with and benefits our relationship with others, right? How does it benefit our relationship with others? We are allowed to have influence in people's lives, and just as quickly as we earn it, I believe we can lose it. We are called to be people of our word. When we moved down from Florida, we were hanging out with the Rampersods, and Neil looked at his sons, and he said, what's the one thing in the world that we have? And they said, our word, and we loved that. That was so great because it's so true. If we as the church are telling other people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the best, the only way, and the best way, right? But we're not living that. What are we saying about this Jesus? What are we saying about this decision? We're, we're telling people, you should run to Jesus. He's your only answer. But when we choose to serve ourselves in moments where it's just easier, what are we saying to our children? I don't want to be someone where my son gets older and says, hey, uh, you know, I'm having a difficult time in my relationship with the Lord. And I say to my son, hey, trust Jesus. He, he, he's got you through this. And him to say, no, my mom's not a woman of her word. You know, she's never been a woman of her word. So I'm not going to believe that. It can happen so easily and we just don't realize it. So remember, people are watching you in the decisions that you make. So what are the benefits of integrity with ourselves? with our relationship with ourselves. The scriptures say you will come to know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. I don't know if anyone's ever started a new job before and you get this title that's like bigger than what you've ever done and you have this anxiety of like, oh, that's not me. I'm fooling everybody. People don't realize that that like, I, I am not worthy of this title. That's normal, that happens. But I think so oftentimes we have anxiety because we have created 
right, this image in different places of who we are. We're one person in the church. We're one person at home. We're one person at the gym, another person over here. And we create this idea that we're just going to compromise no matter where, where we go to. We're just going to compromise to fit in. That, guys, creates anxiety. This next generation, I know, struggles with so much anxiety, and I believe a root of that is because we're pretending to be someone we're not. And at the end of the day, after we've pretended in all these places, we look at ourselves and go, who am I? Whose am I? What do I stand for? What are my values? So I want to say that um, this all takes steps towards integrity. It's all going to take habits. Rick and I take habits really seriously where we realize something in our life isn't, isn't really working out. It's kind of chaotic. And we sit down and say, okay, what habit needs to be formed? So when it comes to attaining and grabbing hold of integrity and character, it's going to take habits. But what, what I want to say this morning is that I don't want you to have shame or guilt on you because I'm learning this too, and it's a process. Uh, I love the preacher Matt Chandler says, God is not in love with a future version of you. I want to say that again. God is not in love with a future version of you. So stop telling yourself right now that, well, yeah, if I do that, the Lord will love me more. That's not what this is about. That is not what this is about. But Matt Chandler also says to his church that in the church, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. Right? So if we really want things of the Lord, we are pursuing wisdom, integrity, and character, and we are making habits that will allow us to get there. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be the total perfect example to everyone, but at least we can show that we are striving for it. We are taking steps for it. So I just want to remind you again, integrity comes with a cost. It is not convenient, but I believe when you choose to have integrity, you will walk in your relationship with the Lord with an assurance, like the scripture says, with a steadiness, because you know where you're walking to, you know who you're walking to, and you know that the Lord will answer us all in the end, right? That we are responsible on our own. My son will not be able to have me standing next to him in front of the Lord. He will be responsible. So let's all be an example of people pursuing integrity and character. Thank you, guys. It's outstanding. Good job, Kara. Megan. Hannah Joy. That a girl. I was so just pumped to listen to them girls share today. I want to challenge you to memorize two Proverbs as we go through 9 and 10. Kara quoted chapter 10, verse 9. He who walks with integrity walks securely. I would memorize that. He who walks with integrity walks securely. I want to challenge you to memorize 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We define the fear of the Lord in this way. God, you do a better job at being God than I do. I want you to be God. I don't want to try to be God any longer. I'm willing to submit to you as God. You call the shots. Wisdom is having skill to live life in such a way 
that leads to success and the glory of God. I want to live a life of wisdom. I want to pursue wisdom. I want to have the skill that leads me to being able to do life successfully that glorifies God. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One leads to insight. I would circle that phrase, knowledge of the Holy One. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite writers, years ago, he wrote a book that he titled, Knowledge of the Holy. And in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, he makes this observation. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds, our concept image of God, is by far the most important thing about who we are. He goes on to say, unbelief is actually perverted faith, for it puts its faith not in the living God, but in dying men. We all have our faith in something today. Every one of us walked in here with a concept of God, how we view God. And it is the, by far the most important thing about us. Every one of us walk in here today, and you are a kingdom builder. And you're either building your kingdom or you're building God's kingdom. It's either or. We're kingdom builders. We've got a view of God. And this view of God is driving everything about us. So you've got to stop and say, what is my concept of God? What is my view of God? Do I view God accurately? Do I worship the God of Scripture? Or have I reduced this God down to manageable terms to make him what I want him to be? You're reflecting your view of God today. So what is your view of God? What is your concept of God? Stephen Curtis Chapman is one of the most respected guys in the Christian music industry over the last 30 years. A tragedy took place in Stephen's household. Stephen and Mary Beth had a couple of sons, and uh, they had adopted a few daughters from Asia. This one specific day, uh, his little girl Maria sees her brother driving down the driveway, and she runs out from behind a bush, and when she does... She's hit by the truck. Later that day, she dies. And I remember we were doing this Faith Day event. It was the first event that Stephen did after the death of Maria. And he had had to cancel certain tour events, and it had been a tough time for he and his family. It was about nine weeks later, we're doing this event at Turner Field, this Faith Day event. And so Stephen came in. We did chapel that morning with both teams, and then the game and during the game, Stephen and I sat there and talked. The Faith Day event would take place about a half hour after the game was over. And as Stephen and I were talking, he looked at me and he said, you know, Cash, there's a lot of things that I used to say I believed about God that I don't believe anymore. But what I do believe about God, I believe more than I ever have in my life. You see, when you go through difficulty, and you go through maybe the death of a loved one, and you go through divorce, or you go through disease. All of us have been through certain things that have shattered what we said we believed about God. And now, 
it's almost like I have to reset. Who is this God that I've claimed that I've known? Is he really the God of Scripture and the God of the Bible, or have I reduced this God down to being a convenient God of what I want him to be? A lot of us, when we go through those times, and I asked my sister, Shelly, I said, can we talk about this during the week of VBS? And she said, yes. We were on the beach a couple of weeks before that. Shelly was down in Destin. She came over one afternoon. And Barb and Shelly, I mean, we were sitting there talking, and Shelly was reading a Tim Keller book on Forgotten God. And I was looking at Shelly, and her and Barb were talking, and I was like, I wonder what Shelly's view of God is. She went through the painful betrayal of being divorced years ago and stayed single for years. And she met Bruce and married Bruce. And just months after getting married, Bruce was diagnosed with cancer. And we just celebrated one year ago that Bruce went home to be with the Lord. Bruce died. But I was sitting there just wondering, with a a girl as beautiful as Shelly, she's a mom, she's tenderhearted, she's compassionate, she's got so many cool attributes about her. I wonder how her view of God has shifted over the years. And we sat there and talked. How do you pray? I was praying for healing. And we would all pray for healing. I I was believing that God was going to do the miraculous and clean up those cancerous cells and bring about a deliverance. She looked at me and she said, you know, even when Jesus shows up after Lazarus has died, in John chapter 11. And Mary and Martha were like, if you would have been here, this would have never happened. The scripture says that Jesus comforted them. And she talked about how she was learning to lean into just the comfort of God. Do you find comfort in God? We can all use adjectives today. Give me, give me metaphors or words that you would use to Define God or describe God or your view of God. Oh, he's loving and he's merciful and he's graceful and he's forgiving and he's caring and he... But when all hell breaks loose and you go through a difficult time, how do you view God? And if we have not studied scripture and pondered the word of God, and studied the character of God, the glory of God, and the attributes of God, if we have never studied it, then what we probably have done, have we've reduced him down to a God that's convenient, that's just good when we want him to be good for us. You see, the fallacy of reasoning, even amongst evangelicals, is that we can say, and we need to pray for this lady or this guy here, they're going through a difficult time, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a disease or whatever's going on. And a lot of times, the way church people respond, and they tell us their view of God. Hey, two weeks later, after having the CAT scan, they come back in. Hey, I went to the doctor, and y'all prayed for me, and praise God, they couldn't find any cancer in my body. Yes, praise God, God's good. And if you got a little Pentecostal, you'll say all the time. But that same person comes in, Kenneth, and says, wasn't a good report. The cancer spread from the liver to the lungs, to the pancreas, to not 
is God good or is God only good when the outcome favors you? Has the character of God taken a hit based on your circumstance or is God still God and God still good? All those years of doing sports ministry, I struggled because I would see guys hit a home run, bam, they would run the bases and they would prepare to cross home plate and they would point to the sky. Oh, look at how good God is. And then they would come up in a situation, bases loaded, two outs, crucial, need a hit, strike out, break the bat and drop all kinds of four-letter bombs. And I would say, your God sucks because your God is only good when the outcome favors you. Your God is not worthy of being praised when you strike out. Your God is only worthy of being praised when you hit a home run. Your God is not worthy to be praised when the diagnosis comes back that you're still sick. Your God is only worthy of being praised when healing takes place. You, you see, we've got to stop. Please stop with me today. Please stop and examine what is your view of God? Because the big question is, why is my view of God so important? And why is my understanding of this knowledge of the Holy One so crucial? Because it determines everything and drives everything in our lives. Our values, our beliefs, our decisions, our words, how we steward our time, our talents, our treasures, our bodies. Our view of God, your view of God, my view of God influences everything I do. Whether I live a life of integrity or corruption. Whether my word carries any weight or whether I become a habitual liar, our knowledge of the Holy One will determine what we pursue, what we do, who we marry, how we parent. You, you see, you, you see, watch me Walk with me. I'm telling you daily what my view of God is. If I walk with you and hang out with you, you're telling me what your view of God is. Is your God faithful? Is your God trustworthy? Is your God consistent? Does God, your God, allow the storms to hit? the righteous and the unrighteous. You see, he says we need to be established on the rock and what we're founded on in, regu in, re in regards to our view of God will determine everything about you. It will determine your theology, your methodology, your philosophy of doing life. We're presenting it every day, Sandra, our view of God. What comes into our minds when we think about God is by far the most important thing about us. We all have a tendency to drift. We walk in here today and we go, it's possible to drift. And my concern, personally, 
just as a follower of Jesus and lead pastor here at the cross, my concern is so many churches and so many people have surrendered a lofty view of God, of His holiness, righteousness, wrath. We've surrendered that to a convenient view of God. So many churches will a la carte and cut and paste scripture. They will only take out of the text what they know will sell and attract people. And what we've done in this Western culture is we've reduced the lofty view of God down to one that just makes it easy for us. And it's so concerning. When you go back and study the pages of Scripture, you can read it throughout. But even the people of God, if you go all the way back to His chosen people, the nation of Israel, hey, they had at times a lofty view of God and they lost it. When God parts the Red Sea, they're like, wow, this God is for us. God is our protector, our provider. As they began to wander, God showers down every day manna from heaven. This is good. And all of a sudden, when they get out of the bondage of Egypt, and they start heading toward the promised land, they start to grumble. Exodus 17, 3, the scripture says, they grumbled against Moses and said, have you brought us up from Egypt so that we would die here? We're thirsty. Where's the water? You mean to tell me that God has spared us to just kill us here? And it is so easy for us to forget. It is so easy for us to wander. And when we start to establish an inaccurate view of God, please listen to me. When we start to establish an inaccurate view of God, it leads to all kinds of destruction and the scripture says it starts to lead to idolatry because we end up worshiping something other than God. Jeremiah, he says, hey, uh, tell the wise man not to be boasting about his wisdom. Tell the rich man not to boast about his wealth. Tell the strong man not to boast about how much weight he can lift and how strong he is. But tell them if they're going to boast Boast in this, that they know me and they understand me, declares the Lord. And Rick, if we have anything to boast about, Paul would say, God forbid that I should ever boast in anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. What are you boasting of? I, I've just got to boast that I know the Lord. Paul would even say in Philippians 3, I just want to know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his suffering. I want to be conformed even to the likeness of his death. Whatever it takes for me to know him, I want to know him. And I've got to have a right view of God. Tozer went on to say, the idolatrous heart assumes that God is other than he is, and it substitutes for the true God one made in its own likeness. I don't want to substitute I don't want to reduce God down. Who is God? What does God command? What does he require? What does he inspire? What does God invite me to? To view me correctly, Tim. You don't own anything. It's all mine. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. You steward your time. You steward your talents. You steward your treasures. You steward everything, Tim. It belongs to me. I'm going to tell you, give me back my breath, and you're going to have to give it back, and you're going to stand before me. 
The line in following Jesus is one deep, as Kara said. It's never follow Tim who's following Kara who's following the Lord. You come follow me. You come following me. You come. Get your view right. Get your heart right. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're God. You call the shots. You know how to be God. I don't know how to be God. I don't want to be God. I don't want to try to be in control any longer. I submit and surrender to you. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You see, the fear of the Lord drives us to where we start to have this incredible reverence toward God. And it drives us to say, I've got to have knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One, Jim, leads us to walk with integrity, which leads us to walk securely. You see a person who's walking securely, I can tell you they're walking in integrity. And I can tell you that they're walking in the knowledge of the Holy One because they have proper insight of who God is. And there's no shortcuts. We talk about the habits of being in the Word every day. I've got to get into the Word. I want to get into the Word. I'm going to meditate and ponder the Word of God every day. Every day, every day. Every day. I walk in this morning before I leave around 7 o'clock and Barb's got her Bible open. She's got a journal open. She goes, check this verse out, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. The ESV says, I read it out of the message, I'm pondering the New Living Translation in it. And I was like, look at her. Day after day after day after day after day. Most Christians are like bad film. They're overexposed, but they're underdeveloped. You're telling me your view of God. In your notes, I'll lay it out, and I would encourage you to make four columns. Who I think God is, or how I've assumed God to be over the years. How I've reflected this in my life. Well, here's, here's who I thought God was, but then write down in those next two who the Bible and what Scripture declares God to be and how I'm to reflect this in my life. This is an invitation for each and every one of us to pursue the wisdom and heart and mind of God. So you have to ask yourself the question. You do. What is your view of God? It drives who you marry, how you parent, what you value, what you believe, who you hang out with, what you put in your body, what you put on your body, what you put around your body. You see, I love that God is loving, as Megan said. But that reverence of that loving God always is met with the wrath of God. You believe that? God is graceful. God is merciful. God disciplines as well. And you see, we only oftentimes gravitate toward those adjectives of this passive aggressiveness of God almost. 
God's loving and kind. You jack it up and everything's going to be okay. You're going to give an account. The Bible says that every man will stand before God and give an account. We're living with eternity as the backdrop. So you do. You've got to ask, am I walking with God? Today, today, last week, last month, am I truly walking with God or am I just wandering? Kind of aimlessly drifting. Am I walking with God or am I limping because I continue to ignore the wisdom of God? Not doing what he says. Don't tell me what to do. And God has spoken. Some of us come in here today so misaligned. And you've got to ask the question, am I willing to really submit to an accurate view of God or not? It's a choice. Am I going to worship the God of all creation and the God of the Bible or am I going to worship a cultural, convenient, cosmic Santa? Who am I going to worship? We all are going to stand before a holy God one day. Cash, give me back my breath. That's the reason I believe one of the most crucial things that we'll do is to get an accurate view of God. We must surrender. Here's the close. A growing awareness of the holiness of God plus a growing awareness of the sinfulness of my own personal heart plus a great appreciation of the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus will lead me to transformation. You go, why are some people not being transformed? Because they do not have a growing awareness of the holiness of God. And they don't have a growing awareness of their own sinfulness, what they're capable of doing when they try to control things themselves. And they don't have this great appreciation of what Messiah, Jesus did when he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So I invite you, get your view right with God. Get your concept. The most important thing about us is what comes into our minds and how we view God. Get it right today. Don't drift any longer. If there's jacked up things that you've done and you've violated people, let's get things right. Let this be a day of healing. First and foremost, vertically with God. God, I've got to repent. You know, that's a foreign word with a lot of churches and church folk today. We've got to live in constant repentance. Lord, I jacked that up. I don't want to drift any longer. Lord, I want to walk with you in holiness. I, I want to honor you with everything. I mean, get the vertical right. Repent. We will coach you up. We've got tools that we can put in your hands. I promise you. But it's got to change here. I was thinking, even driving down the road yesterday, I met with a young player with the Royals three weeks ago prayed. He surrendered in a hotel room to Christ. I'm like, praise the Lord. I met with a gentleman in my office 10 days ago on a Friday. 
And as we started laying it out, he prayed to repent at 49 years old and to surrender to Christ. I want to be about that every day of my life. My buddy Jeff and I were talking the other day. I mean, you go on these mission trips and you come back, and we were talking, hey, man, when we learn to live a missional life 24-7, the journey becomes so joyful, don't it, Jeff? Man, I'm just living in the joy of the Lord. Would you get it right today? Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.